dug a dug an air raid shelter in the backyard. Um, my my uncle um, uh, worked for Miller's Timber Yard, and my father arranged for some timber planks, and we dug a dug a hole in our backyard, lined it with the timber planks, and and put a a, a roof on it with the um, shorter length planks and put about two feet of earth over the top of the planks. Um, the McDavitts had a more elaborate earth, um, air raid shelter up at the corner of Victoria Street. They had one down near the back fence where it was around about up to nearly eight feet deep. Um, you, you got down into it via a ladder and Mr McDavid, being a foreman carpenter at the State Engineering Works at the time, um, he actually put seating around the side of the air raid shelter. Um, and and that, I, I believe that shelter may still be there um, and because the house was only sold about 10 or 12 years ago. And I did relate to my friend Ted McDavid, did you tell the new resident owners of the air raid shelter and he, he hadn't so he was going to let them know it may have been filled in but who knows so yes we we were in fear of invasion and uh, we were mindful of the of, of um, something possibly happening but the other thing that as as a kid growing up I can remember we we would have to um Every not have to, but my mother used to visit her sister out at South Remandle in Jenkins Street, which was on the north side of the Mills and Wares Biscuit Factory. And in um, getting the parlour car down at uh, the highway into Fremantle, there was always naval personnel, American and uh, Australian and, and Army personnel on the bus. Um, and I can remember often... When we were coming home, we'd it would be um, the parlour car would come in alongside the uh, church in uh, High Street, um, and the Yanks would line up on either side of the street because the parlour car had doors both sides. So it was a battle to get into the parlour car, but mostly they they were quite friendly and uh, let the women and kids get on and get a seat. Um, so. They, they were early reminders of those days. Uh, we would um, walk over to the beach and the cable station was taken over by the Americans during those years. Um, and we would walk down to the traffic train bridge and we'd have a look up the harbour and we could see some of the um, uh, shipping mainly the submarine tenders, the made stone and the adamant uh, uh, vividly recalled because I actually got a, a um, sailor's hat thrown off the Maidstone um, and I also can remember vividly in 1946, this was in the immediately after the war, when the Panamanian caught fire at the, um, at the railway end bridge end of North Wharf, she caught fire and I can remember seeing the smoke from Mosman's and I, I got Ted McDavitt and myself and we ran, virtually ran and jogged all the way down to the r- railway bridge and we actually saw saw the fire and actually I, I um, was 
able to man uh, manage to get hold of a KPOC life jacket with the um, Panamanian stamped on the life jacket um, and a few other knickknacks that were floating down ashore that had been thrown overboard. But that, that was a very um, an incident that could have been very disastrous because someone threw a light a, a, um, a, a chaff a, a chaff bag or a bag overboard when the fire was on board the Panamanian and there was oil on the harbour water and it caught fire and then the, the wharf caught fire and there were munitions on, apparently on the Panamanian. Some of those start to explode. So all in all, it could have been very disastrous and, and that to move a couple of the ships. But um, yeah, I, uh, I can vividly remember those days and uh, see, seeing the um, Panamanian on fire. And in those days, we would run, if we 